Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Nancy Smith. We're looking at some lessons, we could say, from the Garden of Eden this morning. And my question to you is, what is the hardest thing for you to resist? Think about that for a moment. What's the hardest thing for you to resist? Um, one of the worst, hardest things for me is chocolate. And we talked about this recently with a group uh, met at our house recently. And I am probably one of the world's worst chocoholics. It has a hold on me. And what makes it worse is there are all those food commercials at night. This is the Lint commercial, L-I-N-D-T, the Lint commercial that I see every single evening between 9.30 and 10. And it, it, has, it, it has quite an impact on me. You know how it goes. I mean, there it is in living color right there before you. But your eyes feast on the sight. You can almost taste it. Um, your imagination is working, and it begins forming a plan. Hmm, I have a Hershey bar in the kitchen. I could go break off one tiny piece and be back before the commercial's over. It would taste really good. Well, at that point, it's as good as done. <laughs> we all face temptations of one kind or another. What kind of things lure you? What is a temptation in your life? There are lots of things that fall into the category of what we could call temptations. Um, the dictionary describes temptation, and I think this is a pretty good definition. Anything that motivates you to be bad while promising something good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that sounds just like the devil. I mean, that's just what we saw with Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis. We get only as far as the third chapter in the book of Genesis when we find the temptation and the fall. We see the progression of steps that the devil uses to, to plunge the human race into sin. And you know, Satan has been tempting and deceiving people ever since. Temptation. Lust. It looms large in our world. And you know, you don't have to live in a major metropolitan area to know that. I mean, from advertising to movies to uh, lingering looks at a, at a co-worker in the workplace or images downloaded on the internet, the opportunities are everywhere. Apparently, even in a garden. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, and that scripture should be up on the overhead, and it begins in verse 8. Now the Lord had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. 
Well, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Everything had been perfect. (laughs) Adam and Eve were living the good life, literally. I mean, there's nothing short of beauty and perfection. Sin had not entered yet to, to taint this world that they were experiencing. And so it's no surprise that Eve has absolutely no idea what's about to happen. I mean, why should she? Uh, she's living in paradise. It's not as if she got up that day and said, hmm, I'd better have my quiet time today because a talking serpent is going to try to tempt me to sin. <laughs> and if I give in, I'll bring heartache, misery, hatred, ruin, despair, loneliness, trouble, mayhem, and every form of evil to billions of people for thousands of years. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like that at all. She wasn't expecting to talk to or encounter a, a, a talking serpent or to be tempted to commit the first sin. She wasn't looking for the serpent at all, but he was looking for her. In my mind, I picture it a beautiful day, of course, the sun shining, the flowers are blooming gloriously, like some of your gardens right now, probably times 100. (laughs) The birds are singing, it's a perfect day in paradise, and then she spots the serpent, and she doesn't freak out, I mean, why should she? There's no fear in paradise. The the creature before her is stunningly beautiful. And when he speaks, his voice is captivating. The the serpent was truly cunning in his approach. And what we see and what we know to be true is that temptation generally comes when we least expect it. Isn't that true? Temptation generally comes when we least expect it. After all, if temptation gave us a warning, we'd be much better prepared to handle it. And the fact that the serpent shows up in paradise leads me to suggest that when everything is going great in your life, look out. I mean, lots of times we think that temptation is more likely to happen when we're down on our luck, but, but it isn't always the case. Um, and maybe, I mean, maybe it does at, at some times work that way, but we're just as likely to be tempted when our bills are paid and, and when the, the boss likes us and when our spouse loves us and, and when the kids are well-behaved and, and when the doctor uh, says you're in perfect health. Just be aware. <laughs> That when everything is going great, we are likely to be prime candidates for an attack because our guard is down. And little do we know that when we least expect it, the enemy has us in his sights. You know, God's word has a lot to say about man's oldest problem, temptation. In the book of James, and that's where we're going to look a little bit this morning, we find two different kinds of testing. One is called trials, and one is called temptations. And interestingly, both of them come from the same word in Greek called parasmos. And and it's interesting because that same word, sometimes it's translated trials, and sometimes it's translated temptations. 
Now, trials are, are something that, situations really, that are allowed by God to help us to grow. James 1, 2 says, rejoice when you undergo trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, which helps us to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And then a little bit further down in James, it says, Blessed is the man who endures under trials, for when he stood the test, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. See, trials are for our good. But then he goes on to talk about the unholy tests, temptations, and he, which really are designed by the devil to cause us to sin. So trials are designed to bring out the best in us, temptations designed to bring out the worst. It all depends on our response. So the question, in a world filled with temptation, how do I say no when I want to say yes? And we look at James to get some really practical principles and really, the first one is be realistic. Face the fact that you will be tempted. Because in James, it says when tempted. It doesn't say if tempted. Just like trials, temptations are inevitable. Everybody's tempted. You're tempted. I'm tempted. You never get too old for it. You never get too spiritual for it. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, no temptation has taken you except what is common to man. So common to man means we're all in the same boat. And then Hebrew 4, I mean, even Jesus was tempted, and it said that he was tempted in all points like as we are, and yet he sinned not. He was perfect. He was tempted, but he never gave in. So James is saying, here's the reality. You're going to be tempted. And then he goes on to say, be ready. <laughs> when temptation comes, be ready. Temptation doesn't give us a warning. Um, Peter says, be on your guard. And then he likens it to, he says, he says, the devil is like a roaring lion that's prowling around seeking whom he may devour. And Jesus, in, if you remember in the garden, um, said to his disciples, watch and pray that you do not enter into temptation. And then Paul said, put on the whole armor of God, be ready. And then James goes on to say, because each one is tempted, one by his own evil desires, he's dragged away enticed. And he says, don't be deceived. But sometimes we are deceived because, like Eve, it catches us by surprise. Maybe we're tired physically. Maybe we're, we're weak mentally. Or maybe it's right after a great success and we think we're doing okay. The Bible says, beware when you think you stand, lest you fall. So James is saying, be ready. So how do we get ready for temptation? You know, it's interesting that the number one rule of warfare is to know your enemy. Know your enemy. <laughs> I think God had in mind that we understand how the devil operates. Because the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, in order that Satan might not outwit, outwit us, because we are not unaware of his schemes. <laughs> You know, the only good thing about the devil, he's consistent. <laughs> he's been using the same old bag of tricks for thousands of years. <laughs> so James outlines the four steps that the devil uses in order to tempt you. Number one is desire. 
Verse 14 says, each one is tempted when by his own evil desires. So the first step of temptation is desire. And we know that most desires are okay, right? You couldn't live without desire. A desire to eat, sleep, drink, the sexual desire, the desire to accomplish, the the desire to work hard and and see the fruit of your labor. These are all good desires. They're, They're good gifts. They're gifts from God. But any desire that becomes out of control becomes destructive. James is saying to be aware, be aware. He loves to take routine desires and turn them into runaway desires or out of control desires. It always starts with desire. And the second step is deception. So he goes on to explain He is dragged away and enticed. Now, James uses these really interesting words here, dragged away and enticed. The word dragged away is a hunter's term. Now, for those of you who hunt, you can picture what's happening here. The the term is, is really snared in a trap. Dragged away is snared in a trap. And then enticed is a fisherman's term that literally means lured by bait. (laughs) You can get the picture. Our grandsons, Alex and Tyler, love to fish, and I'm sure that there's some of you here that love to fish, but they've learned the secret of fishing that, that is really in having the right bait. A certain kind of bait will, uh, will attract a certain kind of fish. Satan's a lot like a fisherman, only he's not out to get fish. He finds out what kind of bait will, will, that we'll be drawn into to lure us in. But I've been amazed to watch the same, you know, when I'm watching these boys fish, that the same dumb fish will return to the hook two or three times in a row. (laughs) I mean, it takes the bait, gets jerked around a little bit, held up for everyone to see, and then tossed irreverently back into the water. (laughs) A minute later, he sees the bait. Mmm, it's feeding time. And we think, come on, you stupid fish, get a clue. (laughs) But the devil likes to hide his hook in the bait that appeals to our weakness. So what kind of bait does he use on you? It begins with desire and turns to deception. And deception turns to, the third step, is disobedience. It says in verse 15, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Do you know how interesting that the battle is really, it really begins in our thought life, right? In our thoughts. And what's true is that what's allowed to stay in our thoughts um, and what we we allow to settle in there moves on to action. Sow a thought, reap an act, right? We we sow that thought long enough, we're going to reap an act. Martin Luther um, was a long time ago that he said, the birds may fly over your head, but you don't have to let them nest in your hair. (laughs) I mean, we picture that. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? People say, oh, it's just a harmless fantasy. But we know that whatever starts in our mind comes out eventually in our life. It always begins with the imagination. And really, that's the whole purpose behind television advertising. I mean, they try to get you to imagine something. See yourself in this gorgeous BMW. Your life will be better. You will, 
you'll be, see yourself driving up to your workplace and, and people admiring you in this car. You deserve it. You can afford it. Think of the feeling you get when you're driving these wheels, right? I mean, advertisers know that, that if they can get it into your imagination, they've got you. Because whatever gets your imagination gets you. So the seeds of desire lead to deception. Deception leads to disobedience. And then there's the fourth and final stage. And that is disobedience leads to death. It says sin, when it is full grown, gives way to death. And that's the tragic consequence. That's what losing the battle causes, devastating results. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. And and what, what he's talking about here is a spiritual separation from God. And then he says, but... And this is the, the great news. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So James is saying we can choose the path that leads to evil, to, to, to death, or we can choose the path that is life. The path that is life. Where are you most vulnerable? Ask yourself, what, where do I have a lack of self-control? Is it, is it my temper? Um, is it my appetite? Is it my spending? Is it drugs? Is it lustful thoughts? What is the area that Satan knows and is always baiting me in that area? Maybe we're not even sure what, what those downfalls might be in our life. I love this quote from Susanna Wesley. It, it's helped me for years, um, and I'm going to share it right now. Susanna Wesley was a mother of John and Charles Wesley, and she said, this for me is a litmus test. She says, whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, takes off your relish for spiritual things, whatever increases the authority of your body over your mind, that thing is sin to you, however innocent it may seem in and of itself. Now what's true? And this is the bottom line, and I hope you you hear this today. We need God's power in our life. That's where the victory begins. The, the single most important principle in, in breaking bad habits and getting control, uh, really, of our life is to let God have control of it. So he can start changing our character and, and giving us a new capacity to resist temptation. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's a verse to hang on to. Greater is he that is within you and he that, than he that is in the world. I, I love the verse, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I have sometimes said that four or five times a day. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So how do we resist? Well, we refocus our thoughts. Philippians 4.8 says, think on these things that are good and right and pleasing and, and praiseworthy. Uh, set your minds on things above. Oh, so many verses in the Bible about it. it. The Apostle Paul said, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Instead of magnifying what's pulling us down, magnify God in your life. When I think of Joseph, when he was in a tempting situation, he left his coat and ran. <laughs> I mean, he didn't hang around to see what might transpire. 
we grew up on a farm, and, and um, when we were all little kids, there, there were beehives, um, honeybees, um, off, way off in a lot um, that was quite a distance from the house. But the kids, you know, we'd play, uh, sometimes a little too close. And, uh, and I remember complaining about the bees from time to time, but my mother would say to me, Nancy, if you don't want to get stung, get away from the bees. <laughs> I mean, maybe we need to change the channel on our TV. <laughs> maybe we need to walk out of that movie. Maybe we need to change jobs. Maybe you need to change friends. And to help us be continually victorious, we need fellowship with other believers. I mean, we weren't meant to fight the battle alone. That's why small groups are so important. And secondly, to get into God's word and fill our lives with it. It's, it's a weapon against temptation. It's truth. It's a two-edged sword. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then thirdly, and this is so important, maybe the most important thing, when you fall into a ditch, get back up. Get back up. Repentance is a word that literally means turn around and go in the other direction. <laughs> Turn around and walk toward that life of peace and righteousness and joy. Because, as James tells us, blessed is the man who endures. When he is tried, he shall receive the crown which is life. Literally, it's you begin to enjoy the abundant life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let's pray. Lord, I know that there's some perhaps today who are struggling. Maybe, maybe Satan has been <laughs> trying to lure them for years, and there's a particular area, Lord, Lord, of weakness. And I think about where is it that Satan is baiting you? God, you know what it is. Perhaps I've got a tendency to not stand up for what I know is right. Always worry about what other pink th people think. Become sarcastic, perhaps. Say hurtful things to my spouse. Uh, Lord, I tend to be selfish. Whatever it is, there's something in my life, perhaps, that's out of control. I just keep falling in the same area, Lord, and I need your help. Let's just confess whatever that is to the Lord this morning. And what we know is true, that you want to give us a new start, dear God. Lord, help us to get into your word, to fill our lives with what is good and right and true. Lord, you've promised to help us make a way out of temptation. Give us the strength. Help us to identify those areas and then call upon you and surrender that thing to you, O oh God. Perhaps some here would say, well, I need to break off a bad relationship. Lord, help me to quit compromising. Maybe that's the prayer you need to pray this morning. And to come with a sincere heart and say, Lord, give me the victory. Give me the victory. And Lord, today we thank you for doing just that. We claim the victory that's in Christ. Greater is he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Lord, I pray that we can take hold of that truly each and every day for our lives. And I thank you for what you're doing, even now in this moment. In Jesus' precious name, amen. song together let's stand and uh, 
even now as you're in your place singing the song, you can pray right where you are. God is listening. If you'd like to talk to Pastor Nancy after the service and just find out more about a relationship with Christ, she would love to talk to you about it. So let's sing this together.
pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you, first of all, that you are so gracious and merciful and good, and that your desire is for our growth and our best and our joy and our victory. And so we come this morning anticipating the victory that you will give us as day by day we take the hand of Christ in our journey and allow you to lead us in this moment, oh God. Lead us closer to you, to what you'd have for us, to the victorious life that we know that can be for us, each and every one of us. I thank you, God, for your love. I thank you for going before us into the, the week ahead. Whatever we face, Lord, we are so grateful that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we go forward with God confidence to the day, the week, the life that you have in store for us, holding tightly onto your hand as we do. And we praise you again in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. God bless and have a great week, everybody. Enjoy this beautiful day. Lead me to the cross where your love poured Cross.